Hey there, we're the Westlop Pirates and welcome to the show. We're here to share our thoughts on Northwestern athletics and college sports with thoughts and analysis from the visceral to the statistical. We run our tailgate with the red pirate flag flying high above as we give no quarter, especially the fourth. I'm Sam Walter. I'm John Lacombe. And I'm Eric Skoskowspo. Um, signing day is today, I guess, if you're listening to this when uh, when it comes out. Um, we're recording this the night before. Scheduling and families and weather all, uh, all play a uh, part. But um, So if anything huge happened, uh, like big flips or whatever on, on signing day, we'll come back and we'll talk about it uh, next time. But uh, you know, we also have a, a great guest coming up, someone who we've been wanting to have on for quite some time. Uh, and again, scheduling, this was when we were able to make it work. Yeah, it's it's going to be a lot of fun. Good guest. Again, a lot of irons in the fire this week. I mean, we've as as we're recording, we've got signing day on tap. We've got the continuing coordinator search. We've got Northwestern basketball. Um, a lot of different things going on, and we're going to try to hit all of it for you. So I guess without further ado, let's uh, let's head to our guest. Well, we are thrilled to be joined tonight by Bradley Locker, uh, the managing editor of Inside NU. Um, we've wanted to had, have Bradley on for quite some time, and uh, with schedules coming together as it is, um, you know, we're, we're just fortunate to get him right here before the holidays. Bradley, thank you so much for jumping on with us tonight. Thanks so much for having me, guys. Always always a pleasure just interacting, whether it's at a Northwestern game, on Twitter, just knowing I can have friendly face in the Northwestern sports community even a shoulder to cry on because there've been a lot of sad times. <laughs> that's sure, so. Yeah, yeah, that's that's for sure. Um, yeah, it's funny we're we're kind of this crazy confluence of circumstances here because here we are. We're recording the night before signing day, uh, which again, that's not typical. But there's just crazy. Like we we got a lot of families and a lot of kids and a lot of stuff going on, and it's just like this was the the best time. But then there's the whole other piece of it where the the whole signing day and everything is all folded into this larger piece of having built this class, trying to keep this class, then then all the furious work to try to keep this class, and then the whole subtext of and then relative to the defensive coordinator search, um, which, again – We've kind of been reading the tea leaves, and there's certainly been a lot of hand wringing. Of we haven't done this, um, we haven't, you know, we haven't hired coaches yet. We haven't hired a new DC. How is that? But then one glance at Twitter tells you that the priority over the past two weeks has just been this furious travel um, to to visit every every guy in this class, if not once, more than once, um, and try to hold this together. But we wanted to have you on because you wrote this article um, a couple of weeks ago kind of talking about the a bunch of possibilities and and again it's not an exhaustive list it's not a complete list and as we all know like none of us ever pegged Mike Bajakin or Jim O'Neill either so like <laughs> <laughs> but but you you put together a great list and everyone on inside and you should should go look it up and candidates to replace Jim O'Neill as Northwestern's defensive coordinator and I think we have found this list really useful um, as a great starting place because it spans pros, it spans college. Um, and um, I think a good place to start would be, okay, so you put together this list of, of 10 candidates that, you know, from, from all different walks of football. If you had to pick one, 
who are you grabbing from your list? Well, is the one based on what I want to personally happen, or is it based <laughs> on the the likelihood? No, no, no. Both, let's let's both. start with let's start with hopes and dreams before we descend into the pit of reality. Okay, <laughs> who if you could pick anyone, who would you most love to have? Well, I think the obvious choice would have to be Jim Leonard. That would be just a a one hundred percent home run hire, just given his background at Wisconsin. He's one of the most revered defensive coordinators in a sport where it's hard for even people to remember a coach's name, a head coach's name. Um, but if you're a defensive coordinator and you get this much attention, it's clear you've done something right in Wisconsin. He's producing NFL talent, whether it's the Watt brothers, whether it's Zach Bond, a first round pick, you name it. Uh, always an extremely disciplined defense. And I mean, we know from firsthand experience watching Northwestern play Wisconsin, you always know it's going to be a defensive slugfest. And it really would be an absolutely perfect fit. You get a really strong coach in Jim Leonard where maybe if things don't work out with Pat Fitzgerald after 2023, you could also promote Leonard to head coach in 2024. It's a, it's a real possibility. And I'm quite honestly surprised that um, Leonard has not been considered for more head coaching vacancies because I think he did a pretty good job up in Madison. The Badgers at least made a bowl game, which was not really looking too promising when he took over and after the pretty shocking firing of Paul Christ. Um, so I, I don't blame Leonard at all for leaving Wisconsin because it sounds like Luke Fickle and his staff previously at Cincinnati want to run more of the show. But I think it's a question of just kind of what level of gig does Leonard get at this point? Does he want to be a head coach? Does he want to be a defensive coordinator? But it, you really can't do much better than, than Jim Leonard if you're Northwestern. It doesn't seem like there's any real options for him head coaching wise. I mean, I guess there's going to be another I, set of dominoes here. I, I, at I think the end all of, I think all the head coaches are currently yeah. all the spots are currently filled right now. Yeah, and I like there's going to be another set of dominoes, right? Like when when the NFL goes through um, letting coaches go, and there's going to be you know some some movement. Um, but it is it's stunning that a guy who was basically top of the list of of assistant you know of, of coordinators expected to maybe land a head coaching job after this season that he's you know still still in this waiting mode it's it's very strange and it's going to be fascinating to see what he decides to do i like i would be quite surprised that if he stayed in the big 10 and this is you know we, we talked amongst ourselves around the purdue opening and if if leonard might be an option for the purdue opening i just feel like that guy loves and breathes uh, breathes Wisconsin football so much. I think it'd be hard for him to go head to head with his alma mater. I mean, it's like it's like when when Fitz was in the conversation for the Michigan job. It just seemed implausible that he could be on the opposite sideline from from Northwestern. Um, but who knows? Like uh, he might be, you know, pretty upset at the way things have played out with Fickle and and uh, Fickle wanting to keep his staff and 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 all that jazz. So we'll we'll have to see where it goes. But it is it's it's like the like the least talked about, most talked about, most intriguing domino on on the board right now, in my opinion. And and we have had a fair amount of success uh, taking former defensive coordinators from Wisconsin. <laughs> I was what, yeah, one of one. I, uh, <laughs> it's I, I'm kind of bummed, Bradley, because you you presented just enough of a piece, just enough of a picture that makes just enough sense of why Jim Leonard would come <laughs> to, to make me like, be like, yeah, and there could be a succession plan. And I'm like, yeah, absolutely. And they were like, Oh God, it really is. I won't lie. That that's an angle I had not considered before, which like is a really fascinating, interesting. Well, we should mention another thing too. I mean, in interest of full disclosure, like literally as we're recording this pod right now, 
Northwestern is beating the brakes off of UIC. And the theme of this game is the same theme in basketball. And the theme of this game is the same theme of every other game this season, which is that the defense has been friggin' awesome. And that all stems from this Chris Lowry hiring. And we we talked about Chris Lowry, you know, on, on Twitter the other day. And, like, everyone came off the top rope to make the exact same joke, which was, can he coach football too? <laughs> and it's yeah. like, and it's like, well, to the to the point, it's like the the you know, Dr. Greg, I think, kind of empowered Chris Collins to go out and get Chris Lowry. And it's like, well, hey, if we're being bullish in the coach market, maybe a, a Jim Leonard isn't isn't out of there. One, you know, one of the other things you know, talking about head coaching jobs, um, it's funny when the Purdue job came open. Kind of our mind was thinking, well. If, if you're willing to make that offense to defense switch away from Jeff Brom with him leaving, you kind of have two layup choices, Ryan Walters and Jim Leonard, and they went with Ryan Walters. But that's kind of a pivot to one of the other candidates you talked about, which is, and this is where I think your list was one of the ways where your list was so valuable, I think to us and a lot of other people is, you highlighted Aaron Henry as a guy being like, look, this is a guy they should be going to get. Um, and... I think like where so and obviously we know this is he he has found another landing place. But why did he jump out to you? At, you know when you were putting this list together. Well, I think while I was putting the list together, I was trying to consider the best individual positional units in college football, and one of them that jumped out to me, especially the last few years, was just the Illinois defensive backs: Sidney Brown, Devin Witherspoon, all those types of guys have just been unreal this year. All Big Ten candidates going to be NFL draft picks. And it's really the job that Henry has done to turn around that unit. And it, it was not surprising whatsoever when he became Illinois' new defensive coordinator. Um, but same thing goes with Trey Scott over at the Georgia defensive line. His his resume is unreal, too, um, with Trayvon Walker, with Jordan Davis, all those guys. Um, so they were kind of pipe dreams. But it, I think when you're trying to find a new defensive coordinator, same thing goes for the NFL, too. It's good to just look at the, the subsets of the defense. What is this coach doing really well at this micro level? And can he expand it to a macro level? And clearly, Illinois believes that, that Henry can do that. And I have a little doubt that he's going to be able to do that as well. Well, and Henry, thinking about Henry kind of leads me to Ryan Smith, who you had on your list and is the one like I'm most interested to, to kind of pull at this thread because I think I think Ryan Smith, for the reasons you point out, you know, um, an ascendant young head coach, um, you know, the, the effect that like the secondary was far and away the best performing unit for Northwestern this year. Cam Mitchell uh, showed a lot of growth. Rod Hurd showed a lot of growth. Like there's a lot of kind of exciting things to think about with regard regarding Ryan Smith. And yet I can't think of a candidate that would, that would generate probably as much like frustration for the Northwestern fan base, just because it would feel, it would feel like, um, a letdown, right? Of, oh, we're just going with the guy internally. Like, like, what the heck? What are we doing? I don't, you know, the average fan isn't going to have the perspective on, on Ryan Smith and, and, you know, his history and how, how, um, potentially ascendant of a coach he could be. But like, what, like, how would you compare him to Henry at the stage in their career? And I, I'm, I, this is one where I'm really curious your, your take on the likelihood of, of something like this happening. 
Well, I guess I can start with the likelihood. I think as more time passes, I and other Northwestern uh, beat reporters have started to feel like it's certainly possible that an internal promotion could happen just because mm-hmm. a, lot of, a lot more coaches keep going off the board, especially big names. Um, Northwestern, as you guys said, has been focusing on the transfer portal or sorry, on the recruiting trail. And one of those guys that's been out there consistently has been Ryan Smith. Of course, Tim McGarrigle to the linebackers coach has been there um, quite a bit, but it seems like their Northwestern is actually trying to make Smith kind of one of the faces of the program, at least on the defensive side of the ball. Um, and his unit, as you guys said, performed pretty well overall in, in 2022. We saw the growth of Cam Mitchell over the second half of the season. AJ Hampton played pretty solidly when he was out there on the field. Rod Hurd actually had a pretty darn good year as a versatile kind of slot nickel guy. Um, so I think Smith came in and made a pretty immediate impact. Now, certainly it would be a pretty big step up for him because the biggest role he's had was as defensive passing game coordinator at Virginia Tech, and he did coach some good players there like Caleb Farley, even though that, that hasn't really worked out in the NFL too much. But um, I, I guess I I would say that Smith definitely is a, a good coach, and he's been a solid positional coach for Northwestern. As for how he compares to Henry, um, really tough to say, and, and obviously until we get a more year-long look at, at what Smith is able to do, especially with a pretty revamped cornerback room, losing its top two corners for 2023. But I think Smith is definitely an option. I think McGarrigle is an option, as some of our commenters have pointed out. But Pat Fitzgerald hasn't really been a coach who has tended to promote um, more internal, some lower-level coaches. And I think, he's, as you guys noted very prudently, I think a lot of fans would be pretty disappointed by this because it doesn't really show that out-of-the-box thinking. It doesn't show a sense of urgency from Pat Fitzgerald or from Derek Gregg that this program needs a legitimately sound defensive coordinator who's done it before, who can really overhaul this defense and make it what it was in 2020. It's funny with the Smith piece because you're right, and I think that would be a lot of reaction, and, and we sort of floated it on Twitter at some point. And one of the interesting reactions was people being like, you know, like, we don't want more of the same, that kind of reaction, being like, you know, more of the same, to your point, like, right, we need to go out and get a big name. We need to go out and n- not pull someone from in-house, no more same old. And our, our reaction was kind of like, he wasn't here a year ago. Like he, you know, he is very new to the program. And as you mentioned, he has gone from being someone who was not part of the Northwestern program to, if we're going by a recruiting trail, arguably the most visible member of the coaching staff other than Pat Fitzgerald. Um, based on you know what's been going on the past couple of weeks, and certainly no one has been racking up more frequent flyer miles. It's funny mentioning talking about Smith, but mentioning AJ Hampton and the the way in the world in which all of these strands and everything in college football inevitably connects um, is AJ Hampton announced today that he is going to Tulane, and it's it's funny because <clears throat> ever since honestly like. I went down deep down a Trey Scott rabbit hole after you put him on this list because I was like, yeah, I'm like desperately trying to talk myself into any shred that we could get George's defensive line coach. <laughs> and <clears throat> but one of the things you quickly arrive at is that Trey Scott is inextricably linked with the state of Arkansas, and that he is very much a candidate for the Arkansas defensive coordinator job, along with Chris Hampton, Tulane's defensive coordinator. And that both of those guys are in the running to, you know, if anyone, if anything, candidates 1A and candidates 1B for that Arkansas job. But then that very much is like, well, I mean, Arkansas, like, 
I don't feel like again regionally you're talking difference, but you know, so you start being like, okay, so is there some sort of domino there? And it's like if if a Trey Scott ends up at Arkansas, does that potent you know potentially lead to a a Chris Hampton or something like that? Um, I'm curious about you. So a couple of the pro options, or at least when I think, I mean, you've got Bronco Mendenhall on here, but then <clears throat> you've got Kevin Koch, Bears or Kevin Koch. Um, Bears, uh, the Bears coaching assistant. And I'm curious what you think, like why he got on your list and why you think Fitz would risk going to the pro ranks a second time. I think with, with Cook, assuming I'm pronouncing it correctly based on how the Ravens punter pronounces it, I think it's more just that the connections were exceedingly obvious between Fitzgerald, between Cook, between the program, between Mike Hankwitz between Matt Eberflus, who is pretty well regarded among the NFL ranks as a, as a defensive guy, and what he did as the Colts defensive coordinator. Um, so I, I think Cook is pretty unlikely to be a defensive coordinator right away, just given that, again, the highest level of experience he had was, I believe, as a special teams coordinator at the D3 level. Um, but it's it's certainly possible, and I guess just what to throw out, because we know how much Pat Patriot values his connections. We saw it with, with Jim O'Neill, certainly. Um, but I think one of the reasons why I did want to mention some of those Pro guys, Al Holcomb, the Panthers defensive coordinator included, is just because Fitzgerald covets that that experience across multiple levels of football. And we saw that with O'Neill. Hankwitz and, and Colby didn't really have that as much. But um, I, I think it's clear that Fitzgerald is not afraid to go into the professional sphere. And there are a number of guys, I mean, there are staffs around the country. I mean, you look at the Arizona Cardinals, and that's, that's a pretty tumultuous franchise right now. I wouldn't be surprised if Vance Joseph um, get some head coaching or defensive coordinator options at the collegiate level, just given how the Cardinals are projecting on their season as well. That that pro piece really stood out to me reading your article, Bradley, and 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 part of it's because in 20, after 2018, we had a conversation about what Northwestern needed to do to 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 go to the next level and to continue to build and, and grow their program. And and the, I mean, Rashawn Slater aside, like the bottom line was we need more. NFL talent and the next two hires that Fitz made after that 2018 season were Kurt Anderson, who everybody talks about his Michigan connections, but was a big part of the Bill, the Buffalo Bills franchise for a long time. And then, um, Bajakian, who, you know, had those two years with, with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And I just like, you know, in a world where Northwestern's, you know, fighting with other Big Ten powers for four-star talent and bringing that talent in, the ability to get that talent prepared for the NFL is is the next critical piece that Northwestern hadn't... Not not that we hadn't put people there, but like we hadn't seen the type of first-round draft picks that we saw with Slater and, and Newsom a couple of years later, right? And I just, I think, I think that's a lot of the calculus actually that went into the Jim O'Neill hire, um, as, as uh, unfortunate as that was for a lot of other reasons, but um that like like to me the the yeah there's a risk of Fitz going back into the pro pool because of the way O'Neill played out but I think that's got to be one of the top three things he's thinking about um because like that that's what players want too right that's what recruits want too they, they somebody who's going to help get them ready for the next for the next level I'm so so having batted all this around and given where we started so not to put you on the spot, but to put you on the spot. If so, if you had to guess, where's your thinking right now? 
I think I really would lean towards Ryan Smith being the most probable just as, as you guys, and we've all talked about just how prevalent he's been on the recruiting trail. He's already lived up to that billing as a really top recruiter. He is young, but I feel like he's going to get a chance to be a defensive coordinator pretty soon, probably within the next three or four years. And I would not be surprised if, if it's Gerald elected to give him that opportunity pretty early right away and then to simultaneously have a pretty big say in what type of players he wants to bring in through the transfer portal because this defense is going to be pretty much overhauled with the losses along the defensive line, which have been extremely well documented and in the secondary. Um, so I would not be surprised whatsoever if it is Smith. I think it'd be more of an, oh, wow, this, we thought this was an outside chance, but it's really manifesting itself. Um, I also really would think that Bronco Mendenhall would have pretty serious interest just given his really strong ties to Fitzgerald. They were on the AFCA board of trustees together a year ago. Now Mendenhall, I believe is currently actually hosting a podcast. So I'm not sure what his interest is <laughs> in coming back. But all those ex coaches tend to have a, a pretty strong interest in returning to the coaching ranks. Um, so Mendenhall hasn't been, hasn't been a whole lot of news regarding him. A lot of people think he might go back to BYU um, although I'd be a little surprised about that, even though the Cougars had a bit of a disappointing end to the season. Um, but yeah, I would say Smith and then probably Mendenhall just based on availability and what's happened over the last three weeks that really there hasn't been much news at all with Northwestern football regarding any type of leanings regarding transfer additions. Meanwhile, we see programs like Michigan um, just absolutely racking up the, the star talent in the transfer portal. Um, that's a whole different conversation though, the, the transfer portal and what Northwestern needs to do, but I feel like it's more, again, as more time goes on, the, the more I feel like it really could be an internal promotion. Have, have there been any other names that, uh, you know, since that since you put up the piece, have any other names sort of been percolating, percolating around or, you know, any, anything that maybe, I mean, Jim O'Neill was so far out of left field that, you know, no one saw that coming. But, you know, besides the 10 guys who you had there and knowing that the, the news coming out of the athletic department is, you know, they keep the information flow, you know, tighter than Fort Knox. But uh, you know, any other potentials that uh, we haven't been talking about yet? I think one that there is a bit of um, some some rumors floating that Northwestern could pursue former Loyola Academy head coach John oh Holacek. Oh, which, oh boy! Yes. Oh. Um, which I, I don't don't don't, don't get John started. Please don't get John started on that. <laughs> well, I, I, what I would say about this is I, I feel pretty comfortable saying that is not going to happen or it's at least pretty unlikely based on um, sources I've talked to who have spoken directly to Holacek. And there have been some comments on our site and some other individuals saying that this is something that was going to occur. But I think a lot of the smoke has died down at this point. And it would be pretty radical for, for Pat Fitzgerald to hire the defensive or the head coach of his son's academy uh, even for his own standards, which are certainly based largely on connections and people he he knows and is friendly with. And Holchek is a fantastic high school coach, but and was a really good NFL player too. And he's been endorsed by some very legendary NFL coaches under whom he played in the pros. But for him to just go from being a high school coach to a college big 10 defensive coordinator would really be a, a, a tough pill to swallow quite honestly for Northwestern fans. So uh, the good news is for Northwestern fans, I do not see this happening anymore. There were, some pretty substantive rumors, though. But um, at this point, I would also say Lance Gidry, the Marshall defensive coordinator. I talked about him in my article a little bit, but I feel like he's a really under-the-radar guy. Marshall has had a tremendous defense all year, closed out the season yesterday with a bowl game win over UConn, 
and Marshall fans are wondering whether or not Gidry is going to stay, just given how much success he's had with the Thundering Herd. So those are probably two names I would also throw out, um, trying to see if there's anybody else that comes to mind. I mean, there are a lot of let me just, fans. Let, let me just say, based on the, the, the last couple names you just mentioned, that Lance Gidry sounds like a phenomenal defensive coordinator <laughs> uh, candidate that I would be very happy if Northwestern pursued. Just want I just want to add that, and only that. Yeah, well, I I, th- I would certainly echo those those thoughts. He's done really good work with Marshall. And I was just going to say, circling back to Leonard, a lot of Packer fans feel very strongly that Leonard should come coach the Packers defense, which is really badly underperformed with Joe Barry this year. And of course, that's a possibility he could get his foot in the door as an NFL guy. But that all remains to be seen. What happens with the Packers this year, and and what direction that ownership wants to go. Do you think uh, the the move is to get a defensive coordinator first before getting a D line coach? And you know, wh- how does the wide receivers coach fit into the equation? Well, I think if, first of all, if you get a guy like Trey Scott, you you get both in the same package, which would be quite awfully nice. However, I think that's pretty unlikely that that ends up uh, occurring. So I think it's probably better to get a defensive coordinator just just have some insurance at that position, and then the DC could decide which person he wants to coach his defensive line. But I also would not be surprised to see Northwestern focus on the smaller hires first and then more of a macro defensive coordinator. But then again, it's it's just all based on speculation at this point. It, it's same thing with the receivers coach. I, I truly do not know who is going to be coaching that position. It could be a promotion. It could be someone external. Same, same thing goes with, with all these other coaches. Should we make a little, a little bit of a, a little bit of a pivot here. I mean, obviously, the, the very first thing we wanted to talk about was the coaching. Obviously, a bunch of people are sitting listening, being like, isn't this like a signing day week pod? Like, where's the signing day piece of this? Again, to go back to where we were at the top, a little bit of a weird change of schedule. But as we all know, this is a non-traditional year. And I think you can look and see that, again, yes, we know, and we talked about it on Twitter, since Northwestern made its changes at DC, DL coach, and wide receivers coach. Purdue has seen their head coach left, hired a new coach, hired Drew Brees to be the interim bowl coach, and hired an offensive coordinator, and hired a defensive coordinator. So it's like, certainly get the frustration. But at the same time, (laughs) the coaches have been furiously working to retain this class. And even with the high-profile defections of at least anticipated um, of two four-star defensive ends. This remains a really good class. And it's funny, Scuzz, you mean you were, we, you know, we were talking about it the other day, uh, maybe just yesterday, like seeing the forest through the trees. That's like rivals likes this class a lot. 24 seven loves this class. Um, And there are a lot of, you know, really big guys. And again, we're recording this the night before. So furiously knocking wood that, you know, we get, commitments from you know as we are we have commitments from these 18 players but that is as many of them sign on december signing day as possible um but i i'm curious bradley kind of from your perspective relative to the recruiting assuming again knock wood that all of what remains of this class comes together um any particular recruits you're really excited about here well i'm very excited about dylan senda just looking at the um, just the quality of offers he had. I mean, Michigan, 
I believe Penn State was on that list too. Iowa, these these are really offensive line powerhouses. And he really kind of eerily reminds me of Peter Skaronsky in that way because he was an extremely highly touted um, recruit. Skaronsky stepped in his, his first year and made an immediate impact. And I feel like there's a very real chance for Senna to do the same thing just because Northwestern is slated to lose three of its five starting offensive linemen. And there is a huge gaping hole at left tackle now. And wouldn't it be pretty poetic if Senda just came in and did the same thing that Skaronsky did, having extremely laudable offers, choosing Northwestern, prioritizing that that academic profile, and then coming in and just manning the left tackle and being a brick wall. I think that would be and, quite sweet. And to say Dylan Senda chose Northwestern is putting it extremely mildly. He is like a Northwestern ambassador. I if he starts at left tackle and shows even a flash of Peter Skaronsky, the full-fledged love fest that Northwestern Nation will have with Dylan Senda. Um he is I mean in the midst of everything, he has never wavered from like NU pride. I mean we were joking he's enrolling in January because it's the first time they'll let, they'll allow him to enroll. I feel like he would have en- enrolled a year ago if he could have. Um what about on the defensive side of the ball? Any particular guys jumping out? Obviously, we know about the needs on the defensive line. But, uh, you know, if there's any particular guy or position that jumps out to you. I think in terms of the 23 class, Michael Kilbane had a really, really good year um, as an edge rusher. We know Pat Fitzgerald doesn't really like playing some of those younger guys, at least right away um, on both sides of the ball. I mean, we saw that with Anto Saka. Um, he did not play many snaps, if at all, his, his first year in Evanston, despite their being a lot of talent there and there being a need for pass rush and Northwestern is still going to need a lot of pass rush along the bodies of its defensive line. I think there's talent in, in Aiden Hubbard at Najee story and Sean McLaughlin, but um, also would not be surprised to see Kilbane get some time alongside Saka um, and defensively too. I mean, have to throw out some of the corners, Cole Shivers, uh, Josh Fussell, Northwestern needs corners pretty badly, um, especially guys who can play on the perimeter. And we saw Devin Turner get some time as a first year a corner at safety, so I wouldn't be surprised if some of those guys got some run at, at, in the 23 season at some point. We, I mean, we're we're psyched for all of those guys. I think partially because it's the defensive tackle thing has been such a thing. I mean, I'm we're um, Dylan Roberts and uh, Tyler Gant, and it's I mean, I think Louis Vacare kind of reached out and was reading the tea leaves and, and asking, you know, soft questions to all the defensive linemen in terms of how they felt about the changes at coaching. And Gant was notably kind of one of the guys who's kind of like, I'm going to wait and see. I'm kind of, and the parade of coaches through the Gant household over the past two weeks, <laughs> he is to say he is a priority would be putting it lightly. And he is a priority. I mean, there are many, but it's funny with this class, again, there was a lot of, of hand and again uh, there's car before the horse don't you know don't hate us we're recording this the night before so it's like we don't know anything at the time you're probably listening to this but the furious work by the coaches to every every assistant coach uh, and Fitz and Brian Payton um is just been spectacular work. I mean, they've done everything they can and they've been in, you know, they've visited every recruit and a lot of these guys, we've seen a lot of good things and we're really hoping that this comes through. But I mean, lost in a couple big name four-star guys is that the reason this class is ranked so highly is there are a lot of high three-star guys who are, you know, loved. I mean, you can go across 
couple different sites. Like, for example, a guy like Nigel Glover. Rivals really likes him. 247 loves him. Another offensive lineman, Jordan Knox. Rivals really likes him. 247 loves him, right? Um, Senda, everybody loves. Like you were saying, Kilbane, everybody loves. It's just a deep class. There are a lot of really talented players across uh, a lot of different positions. Um, so I'm, I'm curious if there, is there a particular position group that jumps out to you, where you're saying, you know, boy, I'm I'm amazed we were able to pull this in considering what's happened. Well, I, I think offensive line probably would be would be a big one with with Jordan Knox with with Senda as we noted with Anthony Bursa from pretty close by Juliet as well. Um, I, I think, and even Alexander Deuce from, from Glendale, it'd be a lot, it'd be pretty easy for those guys to, to choose some of the bigger offers they have, but, um, Northwestern as, as we noted is, is in pretty of offensive linemen. And I think these guys realize that there is a, a legitimate chance to start right away with the path that Skaronsky and Slater established over the last few years, but also even with a guy like Caleb Tiernan, who finally got some playing time in 2022. And, and as you guys have talked about, Kurt Anderson really is probably one of the better offensive line coaches, not only in the Big Ten, but maybe you could argue even in the country, he's producing stars pretty consistently. I mean, if you have two first-round picks in a three-year span, that's pretty incredible, and people are going to start to take notice. And I think Northwestern's offensive line has started to play a little bit more consistently, at least throughout 2022. Injuries obviously took a toll, but I think Josh Freeby was a guy who had really started to emerge as one of the better offensive linemen on this team. Um, but I think, yeah, offensive line, the trenches overall um, have really been targeted pretty well in this class. What, what do you, what just kind of taking a step back um, I, I'm interested, like what, cause you're on campus. What is the mood on campus uh, with regards to the football team? Um, you know, cause you know, we're, we're sitting here just watching from our couches. Um, we're not there on campus. What's, kind of the been the you know take the temperature of of campus i think the first word that comes to mind is honestly resignation that northwestern students fully understand that the team is so bad it's really not worth investing a lot of energy and so students will will tailgate and pregame and all these things and they'll go to the game northwestern will quickly fall behind and students will just leave and and that will be that and even some of the most passionate fans some inside and use former editors-in-chief have not been able to stay for the entirety of games even as as recently as last year so i think shots fired shots fired <laughs> listen i'm not sure i can blame them especially especially based on the weather um and the outcomes but yeah it's it's i think most most northwestern students who follow the team even somewhat um realize that this team is in a very bad place the program um in particular and in a larger sense and there's kind of just a sense of doom regarding Northwestern football, even with it among the reporters that if, if things do not, um, yeah, if things do not change course pretty radically and pretty quickly, that there's not a foreseeable future whatsoever for this program, unless some immediate action is taken. Yeah. I sounds pretty similar to where we are. I mean, again, it's like we're to, to Sam's point, I mean, the closest we're getting is is the tailgates that we've gone to, and and again, we saw you at one of those, and was great, and had great uh, great conversations and things like that. But I mean, there there certainly is that piece of it. I suppose, I don't know. I'm I'm really grasping at straws here, but while we've been recording, Northwestern has absolutely beaten the brakes off of UIC. So I'm like, hey, and, and you know, fortunes can turn. 
I don't think any of us saw a nine and two start for that team coming. So, you know, I suppose anything is possible. I mean, again, it's the you look at the wealth of of talent that's leaving, but then it's kind of like, was it a talent problem? You know, I mean, I it's like there were so many coaching issues and bad luck and different things and. But I mean, we there's no doubt that we are down the well right now, and that's gotta, um, it's gotta, it's gotta pick up, and it starts with a, an impact defensive coordinator hire. There's no doubt about it. I mean, if it's Ryan Smith, we would like it, and we would certainly support it. But uh, boy, if if we get some some sort of pie in the sky, you know, and just remember, Bradley Locker told you all it was gonna happen. Jim Leonard, succession <laughs> plan, big contract. No, um, I, so, so, uh, something but, we haven't yeah. talked about yet that I think is going to be very interesting to watch. And this is more, this is not really about coaches. This is more macro level, like the stadium, which I think right now, because of the, the, you know, the whole fan base is in that resignation mode that you talked about, Bradley, like the stadium feels like a little bit of an albatross right now in, in that, why you know why are we focusing on this when the when the team and the program seem to be on the precipice? Why you know why are we like what justifies the spending of that kind of money? Um, is this going to like destroy the team for three years, a la the the basketball team when they redid, redid Welsh Ryan, right? Um, which I think is you know like if, if there's a generous read on the Chris Collins tenure uh, as, as Northwestern's head basketball coach, it's that the the stadium remodel really you know sapped the momentum and the the fan support um of his program in that one year that you know they've kind of they've kind of uh waned since then i i i don't ascribe to that theory necessarily but it will be very interesting to see how northwestern handles this next stadium remodel and what you know if any lessons are learned from um what was that 2015 um with, with you know coming off uh, off the NCAA tournament when they um, redid Welsh Ryan, so I like that's an interesting like it just it adds a whole lot of positives and potential negatives um, as I think everybody is is sitting here you know hand wringing around the class and the DC etc. Yeah, I think that's a really really good point that. Um, the stadium, kind of the question you guys are asking too, is just how does the stadium fit into all of this? And I don't know if there's a clear puzzle piece that it kind of answers because it's, I mean, from a larger perspective, it's pretty positive and encouraging that Northwestern is going to, um, create this, this new world-class stadium, because I think we can all agree it's pretty long overdue when you, when you go across the big Ten and you see, um, even what team like Illinois or, or Purdue has just legitimate college football stadiums. And now Northwestern is going to be probably that and even a tier above. So that definitely helps the recruiting aspect. But at the same time, I mean, if you look at the articles that are published and the, the tweets um, about the stadium, you, it's not hard to find people saying, oh, well, maybe you should focus on a team or who's going to want to go to that stadium if the team is is 0-9 or whatever. So, our, our, our standing joke has been, how about a $750 million stadium and Jim Leonard? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Exactly. I'm, I'm curious too. I mean, from I'm again talking about campus perspective, and you know, people you're talking to. But I mean, if you look at, you know, where you are in college, but certainly like let's say any freshman right now or something like that. I mean, right now they're basically looking at junior senior year, like Northwestern's playing away, you know, playing away games, right? Playing Wrigley Field, playing Soldier, whatever it ends up being. What's the 
general student vibe looking ahead to this, especially with underclassmen right now? That is a great question, and I definitely have to talk to some more people, but I think it just adds an extra hurdle where Northwestern students are already kind of reluctant to go to games, especially when the team is bad. But I think Northwestern students overall, if a team is good, they will generally attend, but if the team is not performing well, then there's not really much incentive when there are plenty of other things to do in and around campus. And um, I think the element of Chicago would be appealing to a lot of students that you could go to a game at Soldier Field, spend the rest of the day, in the city and, and have fun there but at the same time if you have to get on a bus and, and drive 40 minutes with traffic um to a game where northwestern is one and eight and playing ohio state i mean is there a lot of reason to go if you're a northwestern student i, I think that would be pretty daunting to ask and expect for student um turn out to be as good as it has been and it's already not necessarily been what i'm sure the the program would like it to be in ryan field and and we saw that with the with the basketball. I mean, people were not <laughs> yeah. getting on a bus to go out to the yeah, All State no, Arena. That's no one's well, no one was going out to Rosemont. That's true. The uh, I you do raise a good point though, which I guess I hadn't really thought about. But the idea of going into the city for a day and North Northwestern does have a little of a piece of that so close yet so far kind of thing where it's like. You always have the option as students to go in, but it would be a theoretical situation where you could build multiple events or build a day around, hey, you know, come to the game at Wrigley and X, Y, and Z is going to be going on. Or come to the day at, the day at Soldier and X, Y, and Z is going to be going on. And, you know, discount tickets for Field Museum go with it or, you know, whatever. And potentially make the city an enticing thing to get the students out, which is interesting. But, I mean, again, it's like, all the students in the world aren't going to be more than like a drop in the bucket at Soldier, so it's it's it kind of is what it is. But but that John, but I just got to say that is one of the most northwestern things I've ever heard you say. You go to the game, and then go to the yeah, game. right. That's right. Really, really, it's about the Adler Planetarium. But if you can catch the catch the cats, <laughs> no, um, yeah. One thing I I wanted to bring up, Bradley, we didn't say it off the top, but I think. We, we thank you for your time, and before we let you go, I want to say that uh, we sort of mentioned it off the top. We wanted to have you on the pod for a while. Um, you came in throwing 100 miles an hour, man. Like the <laughs> starting – I can't remember what it was. The the uh, Maybe it was the A.J. Hampton film breakdown. I'm trying to think of what the first thing we saw from you on Inside NU. But I think it was maybe the summer before you even got to campus or something like that where we were like – is that am I am I pegging it right? What was the first thing you wrote? I wasn't yeah. the, that wasn't the first article, but I think that was kind of the one of the few that one of the first few I did for sure. We I just we just remember looking at it, going through the film the film analysis, going whoa. Yeah, the the film the film review uh, stuff that you've been doing has been has been a lot of fun to uh, yeah to dig into. It was just uh, you know it's been a long time coming. We wanted to have you on. You're doing awesome work, and I mean again, you're you're doing awesome work. You're carrying on a big tradition because I mean, and, and you know that. I mean, it's cliche, but Northwestern pulls in the best student journalists. We've gotten the privilege to get to know a lot of them. I mean, a lot of them go on to big things. Um, and you're, again, you're throwing 100 miles an hour. We really appreciate it. Um, keep up the good work. And again, thanks so much for, for coming on. Yeah, thanks so much for having me, guys. Really means a lot to hear that. And just trying to provide content for ravenous Northwestern fans who are thinking about the team 24-7 as as a sicko fan myself. Uh, 
definitely doing that. But yeah, glad someone's always there to appreciate the content and the thought that goes into all the work that not only I do, but a lot of my colleagues do. So always grateful for you guys and, and always a pleasure to, to join you. And of course, we got we got uh, you know, basketball season coming up and then, you know, into the spring, which uh, should be a, a whole lot of fun um, with lacrosse and softball. Uh, so, you know, there's definitely a lot to get excited at, about with uh, Northwestern sports. There certainly is. And yeah, I'm not going to rule out a, a postseason trip for men's or women's basketball at this point. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Anything we should in particular, like look for you, you know, up right now or, or coming down the pike? Down the pike. I'm trying to think. I have a have a broadcast coming up next Wednesday when Northwestern hosts number four Ohio State for women's basketball, which will be a, a very compelling game. Um, very excited for that one. Um, but yeah, you can always find me on Twitter at Bradley underscore Locker. Probably going to be a lot of Steelers tweets, a lot of Northwestern tweets too, as as more information rolls in. And always an insight in you for sure. All right. Well, Bradley, thank you so much for taking the time. Um, like again, we really, really appreciate it. We, you know, we've loved catching up with you offline and now that we get a chance to catch up with you online. So, um, we'll have to have you back to break down whoever it is comes in to take over the defense and kind of see where things go. Absolutely. We can only hope it's Jim. <laughs> <Here we> go. <laughs> awesome. Thanks a lot. If you or a loved one is seriously injured by someone else's negligence, hire Kent Sinson of the Sinson Law Group. After over a decade prosecuting murder cases in Chicago, Sinson opened his own firm focused on wrongful death and personal injury cases. He specializes in car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and other transportation accidents, as well as construction accidents, medical negligence, slip and falls, product liability, and more. Millions recovered for clients. No fee unless he wins. The Sinson Law Group. Compassion, empathy, and vigorous advocacy. Go to SinsonLawGroup.com or call 312-332-2107 for a free consultation and go Cats. Uh, once again, Bradley Locker, uh, thank you so much for coming on. Um, you know, Find all of his stuff over at InsideNU uh, and just re- you know, great, great stuff. I mean, and I, I want to say too, there is and has been, um, are and have been a lot of fine people doing great work at Inside You and at the Daily and WNUR and all the places we love. I, Bradley, again, just what can we say? Got a soft spot in our heart. He just came came off the top rope from the very beginning um, with with his work at Inside NU, and we were just stoked to have him on. Um, so yeah, that was that was great that we could finally do it. And and wouldn't you know it, while we were doing it, uh. Northwestern absolutely obliterated UIC. <laughs> yeah, 92-54 uh, men's basketball just uh, – they've been playing so well. And I, I know going into the season, you know, we, there was not a lot of optimism going in, you know, especially coming off you know, last year and uh, with Chris Collins getting the ultimatum and you know, pretty much do better or else. Um, they're doing better. Yeah. And UIC came into this game eight and four. Like, yeah, they're a small school, but they're, you know, they're no pushover. And I know a lot of people are saying, hey, yeah, whatever. It's still like it's a little school. It's UIC, like blah, blah, blah. And it's like, I mean, they 92 to 54, they destroyed them. And we all watched the first half before we had to, you know, before we came and recorded. And they looked great um, for a team that has been an offensive mess this season for a lot of the season good shot selection moving the ball around turnovers fast break points like 
again, like I know everyone's saying, like wait until the Big Ten season. I don't know what more to say. I mean, aside from the pit game, they've played phenomenal defense. The um, well, well, I think an important thing to to point out, and you 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 threw this up on Twitter the other day, John, and you were talking about like the the number of times that Northwestern has won ten games non-con. Now they're 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 not going to be able to win ten non-con, but if they beat Brown on Thursday, they'll go nine and two in their non-conference. It's a really strong non-conference record, and and, and it's not like it's been a. It's not like it's been a, 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 a non-conference that's been any more difficult or less difficult than we typically see from Northwestern, right? you got Pitt on here. You've got a ranked Auburn on here that they lost by one. Um, I like Yeah, it's not, it's not all cream puffs. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely some, some meat but, on the bone. But to, but to, come out of, to come out of December, 9-2 and two non-con and 1-0 and oh in the Big Ten with the win over Michigan State is a place I never, I couldn't even have even dreamed that we we would be in and, going into this season. Yeah, and again, they, you know, next they have Brown on the 29th. Um, and if they can just beat Brown at home, an Ivy League team, that gets them to 10-2. and two. And yeah, it is rarefied air. And this schedule, yeah, there, there are some... There's some low-hanging fruit on this schedule for sure, but there always is. There's also Auburn, Pitt, and Michigan State, and DePaul. And I know DePaul had some injury problems, but like, I mean, the last two games, the Cats have destroyed Chicago-based programs. Destroyed them. You're talking like 40-point wins, and I think you can look at that and be a piece that this has. The the Pitt game is clearly an outlier from a defensive perspective. This is a team that's played excellent defense, elite defense all season long, and the offense is slowly ticking up right now. And and they're as we said on Twitter today, they are not burdened with expectations. No one's pegging this team as a tournament team, right? Um, they're looking to, to potentially stake themselves to a 10 and 2 start and then go in and just try to do some damage in the Big 10 and we were talking about goals for this team. Well, one reasonable goal, crazy as it may sound, is to finish the season with a winning record. And that may not sound like particularly significant or a, a weird goal, but Chris Collins is in his 10th season at Northwestern, and he's pulled it off twice. Northwestern's had an overall losing record in every other season. Well, staking yourself to 10-2 and two and putting something, it doesn't have to be a 500 record in the conference, just some sort of showing... You know, if they put up seven or eight conference wins, that stakes you to a comfortably to a winning record. So, again, we don't know. We don't know how this is going to come together, but this team is a great defensive team that is showing a few signs on offense. And if they can keep it going, man, we're, we're all kind of shocked right now. Well, for the first time in many years, they have an identity. Yep. They have a very clear identity of who they are, and that is, you know, it's, it's, been, it's been palpable through the course of the first month and a half of the season. And yes, the level of difficulty goes up when you hit the Big Ten. The um, novelty of what you're doing, you know, you have to start playing teams twice. You, you know, everybody's got film on you now, yada, yada, like that all, that all changes. But they have something to build on for the first time in, I don't know, since what, like the, the tournament season? Right. And the other thing, too, yeah. is to get smoked by Pitt in that one game, coming off the Auburn loss, and have everyone be like, oh, here we go. And then to unleash the last four games. They beat Michigan State on the road. 
Yeah, that Prairie View game was really ugly from an offensive standpoint, but Prairie View scored four points in the final ten and a half minutes of that game. And then they annihilated DePaul and UIC. I mean, I talk about a response. Like, they're they're making you want to believe. That's for sure. Um, And, you know, credit to these guys. They're, They're working their asses off on defense. They're getting it done. And again... Let's see them beat Brown. Let's see them roll into the rest of Big Ten play at 10-2. and two. Uh, Women are sitting right now at 6-5. and five. Um, you know, We've talked about them a little bit. A uh, couple wins against UIC and Air Force. Uh, they were scheduled to play Chicago State on uh, Thursday, but uh, that game has been postponed uh, due to the incoming blizzard uh, that is not the Northwestern uh, defense, but an actual real life storm coming in. Um, they are postponing the Chicago state game. Uh, unclear if that's going to be made up or not. Uh, I guess we shall see. And then, uh, yeah, Ohio state number three in the country comes in on, on the 28th. So listen to listen, Bradley Locker you know, call the upset of the year when they take uh, on Ohio state. There we go. Let's do it. Yeah. Top, top of the conference. I mean, you got number three, Ohio state, number four, Indiana, and number 13, Iowa. That's, uh, you know, the, the top. And Maryland is at number 15. So, you know, the, the top of the conference, very, very good. And, uh, you know, the, the middle the middle section isn't half bad either. I mean, Nebraska's been pretty solid. Illinois is 10-2 right now. Purdue's 9-2. Yeah, we're in non-conference, so, you know, identities are still being formed. Um, you know, things are getting locked in. But, you know... Big Ten is Big Ten, and you know, hopefully the you know the ladies can get that i get that identity, um, you know, into post Veronica Burton era, uh, and and start putting something together. Yeah, here's hoping. Again, it's like it's it's rough to be to be kind of turning having a little bit of turnover right now when the top of the conference looks like it does. I mean, that a team that starts Caitlin Clark and Monica Cinzano that there are multiple big 10 teams ranked above that team is terrifying, <laughs> but yeah, I saw yeah. that. I was like, Ooh, wow. Yeah. They're only 13. Yeah, like, so, holy yeah. hell. But again, it's, there's, there's nothing but opportunity. So let's see them come out and shock Ohio state. Uh, anything else to mention before we get out of here tonight, guys? No, I mean, I just, by the time I think we reconvene next, hopefully, you know, we'll have seen a lot of positive news from signing day and, and who knows what else, right? I think this is going to be, there the next couple of weeks maybe the holidays but it feels like there's going to be there are going to be a lot of wheels turning and we'll see what happens i'm just going to raise a small toast to the toledo rockets who won their bowl game tonight against a team that shall not be named and deserved to lose and deserves to lose every Mm. game they play in good job toledo (laughs) yeah um and you know just finally you know happy holidays merry christmas happy hanukkah um, whatever, whatever you guys out there are celebrating, I uh, hope it's a good one. Yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, sit out that, sit out that crazy Chicago blizzard that's coming in, man. I feel bad for any poor sap who has to try to fly out during that boy. Hey, let's, uh, let's, um, you know, I, I'm, I, I don't, I, I don't want anybody to not take the potentially incoming storm seriously. Like everybody should take it seriously, but. Why, why don't you guys call me when people abandon, like when rush hour abandons their cars on Michigan Avenue or on a uh, Lakeshore drive, like they did in, uh, in 2011. <laughs> yeah. That, that just, was, that was insane. Yeah. I, sho- I shoveled like two and a half feet of snow, uh, twice yeah. 
um, for a, for a parking, for parking purposes, um, in the course of two days, that, that, that was a blizzard y'all. We'll see what happens just, this time. By the around. end of the day, Friday, my hope is to be in Florida. That's the goal, and I have no idea if it's going to come together. <laughs> we are going to see. <laughs> I hope. Hopefully, next time we record, I'll be recording from sunny Florida. But we're going to see how that goes. Yeah, it's funny here in the Natty. We're just—it's just supposed to be like colder than all get out. No, no precipitation that in the radar yet. But we'll see. We'll see how we go. Yeah, at, at least we're not in Colorado. Um, I, I saw that they're going from 50 degrees to negative 20 in like 18 hours uh, tomorrow. And that's just so that's, Russell yeah. Wilson. hi um, Oh, <laughs> wow. I feel like at least like Sammy, you're and I's home, home states. Like, well, and John, you too, right? Like between Colorado, Minnesota, and New Hampshire, like the, pl- the citizen to plow ratio is damn near mm-hmm. like one to one. Um, yeah. these, these places just don't like, yeah, it's, it, you know, it slows things down a little yeah, bit. We all but, showed um, up at Northwestern with thick blood. That's for sure. Oh, well on that note, we'll go ahead and leave it there for tonight. Uh, head to our website, westlawpirates.com where you can leave comments and questions. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Westlaw Pirates and email the show westlawpirates at gmail.com. Tune in next time as we give our visceral and statistical views on Northwestern athletics and look for us, the West out of Ryan Field flying the red pirate flag because we give no quarter, especially the fourth. For John Lacombe and Eric Skazbo, I'm Sam Walter. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time.